listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. Hi, this is Nick Earl, and welcome to this episode of IoT Leaders. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. I'm talking to the CTO of TELUS, TELUS Corporation of Canada, the uh, large Canadian mobile network operator, Brahim Gedeon. Now, Brahim has a, a, a lot of very interesting views and some great ways of describing them. It's actually quite amusing, uh, the, the conversation that you're about to hear. But he also is a real visionary. From our perspective, TELUS were the first company that we partnered with uh, to take our platform and uh, take it global. Uh, they now have something called TELUS Global Connect. You'll hear about that. And it sits above uh, Vodafone's platform. It sits above Sierra's platform. It sits above, I think, two Jasper platforms that they have. But 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 he doesn't really talk about that. He, he talks about why they did it, but then talks about his vision as to where the market needs to go and gets into some very interesting uh, material at the end where he talks about the difference between the hyperscalers and the operators and how the operators, although they may seem as if you know they're the guys who perhaps are old-fashioned old and won't be able to make change that's needed, actually what assets they've got, which actually could be uh, really incredible in this future world, uh, particularly around trust and uh, uh, trust from an end-user uh, point of view, but only if the operators work together uh, collaboratively. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, so let me uh, hand you over now to my chat with Brahim Gedeon, the CTO of TELUS. So Brahim, welcome to the IoT Leaders um, podcast. Now, I have to say for our um, listeners, uh, a couple of things. First of all, who is Brahim and why am I talking uh, to him? So Brahim, Brahim Gedeon is the CTO of TELUS, uh, the Canadian operator. I call them Canadian, but actually, as you'll hear in this podcast, TELUS is actually a global corporation and doing a lot of very interesting things. So we're going to get into that. But it, but uh, first of all, uh, Brahim, uh, welcome welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. Hey, thank you, Nick. Uh, excited being here and chatting with you. Great. And that background that you've got, for those of you who are watching the video, looks really nice. Is that somewhere in Canada? Is that photograph? It is off of British Columbia. It, it's oh, a small... It's a small area that uh, we use the profits from the sale of some of our real estate to build and provide a haven for uh, children that uh, either travel at home or need uh, extra support. And this is from one of our engineers that provided coverage uh, to that remote area. So it's a uh, part of our social purpose. So we, we use the profits from real estate to start the Talus Future Friendly Foundation. So. Uh, how cool is that? Well, that's great. I, I didn't know that, and I'm glad I asked you about it. So that's great. So um, one of the reasons that we're talking, apart from the fact that I think you have some very interesting views about IoT, where it is, where it's going to go, and the value. But before we unpack that, I'd like to start, because we already have a corporate relationship between SI and uh, TELUS. And um, you know, TELUS were the first company that white labels has white labeled our platform and you're now in market 
And I know you've got some um, great prospects, which of course we can't uh, mention, but you've created a, a global, you've launched a global capability under the uh, brand name TGC or TELUS Global Connect. So I just wanted to perhaps start off there by saying, could you share the extent that you can, could you share the motivation behind doing that? Because I know that you had, you know, Jasper platform, uh, uh, Sierra Wireless uh, platform, uh, you, Vodafone platform. I think you had, you know, you're using at least three platforms and then you did the sort of overlay with, with to create TGC. Can you share a little bit what your motivation was? Doing well, I, Nick, if you don't mind, I'd like to go a bit back for uh, the folks watching the, the podcast. We partnered with SI because there's a, there's a similarity or convergence of destiny on what the end user should do. So, so, so I don't want to be flowery. I'm a geek, so I'll be very... <laughs> the partnership with SI had us at Frictionless. So, so one of the biggest challenges that I think the industry's had is there's always these ecosystems that are very heavy and actually impact going to market, one, to impact how a customer's onboard it, and three, the global reach is not using next-gen technology. And I think a lot of it comes from protecting your existing revenues. So, so as a business person, yourself and myself, you either use legacy as a launch pad to the new stuff or as a boat anchor. And we felt in the IoT space, we had a lot of great partners, as you mentioned, some of them, but a lot of it was hinged on minutes and bytes, which defeats where the world's going. And, and then if you look at the fact that TELUS's vision is the future is friendly, and there is technical meaning behind that marketing term, SI is all about frictionless. That was the right partner to build an umbrella because you really need to build an ecosystem. So when you say you white label, I don't take exception, but we didn't white label. We actually partnered and onboarded. So we threw our assets under the SI umbrella, and we hope more of our peers as they come on board, because it will only be richer when there's more players in that playground, right? So, so the intent is not to be exclusive, it's to be inclusive under the SI umbrella. And there are technical nuances. It does mean that you need to go to market in a very different way than uh, most people see it today. But like to be honest, uh, roaming is disappearing. You cannot, consider what we're doing with SI and IoT as roaming globally, which is the kiss of death. So for my peers who are thinking of IoT as I have that roaming revenue or that $1.37, we have to think of it differently. You need that platform. That will be the umbrella platform where people can come in, integrate, and we have to think of the actual end user. I know it's not what wholesale or partner solutions team think, which do most of these agreements. <laughs> but I think our team is a bit unique and we work very closely with them. You know, um, uh, and I thank you for correcting me. You've even expanded uh, what, what SI does. Um, uh, so you're, you're uh, describing what we do better than I describe the CEO, what we do. I, I, it's interesting you talked about putting your assets um, uh, underneath SI. I, uh, I talked about in the intro there that that you're bidding on some very big deals that frankly are you know truly global you're you're offering a truly global solution and that could well mean that the the connections uh, rather than roaming could get localized onto uh, other MNOs that perhaps you might may or may not have roaming agreements with but they but they could localize onto them and so there's this sort of agnostic approach doing the right thing for the user as opposed to uh, optimizing the profitability from the uh, I, I interrupt, I sort of interrupt you, but you hit the nail on the head. 
why do I need to own the user end to end as long as I have the user for a number of services and I want their convenience, right? So there's stickiness and convenience, uh, which is what we're trying to do with Telus Global Connect, among other things, right? Like I don't need to, to ingest everything from Telus. You're a Telus subscriber. Thank you for what you're doing. And then, but I have to think of when you're traveling or when you're onboarding with a different platform, we've made our money based on certain things, right? So we need to think of what is the best thing for you. And thus it is, we need to be members or partners with ecosystems, uh, Nick bluntly putting it, that uh, provide you with the biggest range of connectivity, the biggest range of APIs. And we need to think beyond mobility connectivity through eSIM and, and legacy SIM, right? Exactly, and and we talked. Um, I, I've talked in in some of the recent um, podcasts about how people don't realise the fundamental disruption that eSIM is is driving. I mean, for a lot. Of, I mean, one thing we we know is our whole raison d'être is yes, you mentioned simplify, but it's also to demystify IoT uh, because it's massively complex. And we talk about ourselves being the guide, which is why there's an umbrella behind my head, not a lake. Uh, the idea of guiding somebody on, on a journey. But but for a lot of people that we speak to, they say, oh, eSIM, there's this basic confusion. You know, does that mean electronic? Does that mean embedded? But it's something much more, more fundamental because it's independent of form factor. It's the fact that it's no longer tied to an operator. And so user choice is now being given that the users or the device and in many cases, increasingly, the user uh, says, no, I have an agnostic capability, not a proprietary capability, which is fundamentally disruptive to a model that we've known for 40 years. Yeah, like, sorry, to, I, I, you got me excited, so I was going to jump in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the idea of the podcast. Feel free to get excited. Yeah, uh, as I said, I'm a geek, so I'm not terribly uh, marketing worthy, but I, I, I love to share my views, especially when yeah. we're working with you guys. I think people missed the boat because eSIM is not the next-gen SIM. It actually redefines not just the independence of the freedom that the client has, but think of the old days where we used to have to insert hardware and add security on hardware. Now it's we've, we've joined the 21st century for the love of God. Like we were able to actually manipulate those parameters. So two things. One, you talk about is independence. And yes, it does give you independence, but it's not so much independence from your operator. It's it's the independence, the ability to do way more with your current device yes. than you would in the old days because it's tied to a walled garden. And the other part where people, I believe, it's a misnomer. They say, oh, well, what's eSIM? And it's just another SIM. It's because if you don't invest in a next-gen stack, and I'm talking about OSS, BSS, then you're building a skyscraper in Venice. You have a... 30, 40-year-old, <laughs> no, but you do. You have a 30, 40-year-old uh, legacy system that's so used to minutes and bytes and picking a roaming partner, yeah. and you add on it eSIM, it will have the same behavior. You are truly, it's like when people, they misbuilt 5G. So you know what? It's so easy to do 2G with 5G. You just do nothing. Yeah. You, you, you leverage the old technology. I think it's critical to take eSIM and that's why we're excited about the work with you guys to take eSIM and think of it as a disruption, not just in the technology of implementing authentication and verification 
you have to think of eSIM as a vehicle that enables other services and what adds on. And then you have to think of the ecosystem. I'm not being negative. Nobody's going to get fired to give 5G that looks like 4G. That's what most of the telcos did. There was a nuclear war. Mine is bigger than you, yet there was no devices. I remember around the world, like, who's 5G is bigger? And I think it behooves us to do the, like to look at people like SI, and, and I say only SI, not that you don't have competitors, but I love the DNA and the agility of being able to get together and say, okay, well, ESIM redefines how people ingest and consume operator services and third-party services, and that's critical. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it, by the way, I have no problems with you mentioning SI, but, but yes, other, other MVNOs are available, as they say. You know, um, it, we both have been in the industry a lot of years, and, and one of the lessons that I learned, having worked in, in multiple countries, is that there's two fundamental ways always of looking at things from the inside out and the outside in. And when you do look inside out, and you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you just do very slight increments to what you're doing, and you think that you're making significant progress. But actually, when you look outside in, and you look at what people actually want to do and the potential for IoT, to your point, it is so big that if you take a narrow parochial view, perhaps because you're trying to protect a PL or a legacy business model, which is the primary reason why people don't embrace change, in my view, because it disrupts a, a, a business model, it disrupts the way people are paid and remunerated. But actually, when you do achieve the leapfrog and say, you know, I, I actually am going to embrace this and I know it's different to what I did previously, but actually it gives more user choice, that's when you jump forward. And, and and then you make progress. And I mentioned the fact that in the intro, you guys are global. One of the things that was um, attracted to us in the partnership is your TELUS International business, because I didn't realize, I must admit, how big that is. I mean, it's a it's a big, uh, I think it did its own, uh, it floated. We, we floated on the stock market. We maintained, uh, I think, approximately 60% of ownership as TELUS. Right. Uh, it did very well. Like it's a ten billion dollars valuation, which is more than most telcos around the world. Is that right? Uh, but, yeah. but it is. It is a. It, it's a very interesting offer, right? Like it's not just IT outsourcing. It is a full service, leveraging the Telus experience with massive partnerships with the likes of Google and others, and points of presence all around the world. So, so it grew from uh, personalized care. So, if you think of when I said. We, we should partner with, we, we should, we would have partnered with SI just because you said frictionless. So we're talking about the future as friendly and uh, where we're heading, but also it dovetails nicely into everything is global now. It's up to you whether you choose to make it so or not. Like there's no such thing, and not just with COVID, with connectivity. You could build something in a basement in the UK. Well, you guys don't have basements, but a basement in Canada, there's no reason why somebody in London can't consume it. So that being the case, if it's the best product, what are the impediments? And then you start thinking of mobile networks uh, because everybody's connected or tethered in a wireless fashion. How do we make sure that that happens? And uh, like eSIM to me is a, is a wonderful progression on devices and connecting devices and that connectivity. But from a corporate point of view, we're massively invested in health agriculture and the work within with Telus International. So you're right, like if you look at the bulk of not just the revenues, but the bulk of emphasis and investment, if you take broadband off, which all operators are doing to make sure there's proper broadband, be it wired or wireless, it is these verticals that we think are 
truly global, and there's some centers of excellence that can publish globally, uh, Nick. And it's a blend of the value of, I mean, I mean, in its most simple form, the, the moment you have a, a, a cloud-based virtualized capability, it is inherently global. So we come from a global world. Uh, we, we don't come, we, SI, come from a global world in that we're cloud native. And uh, for us, a, a geographic border is, well, it might make a difference in terms of the currency on the invoice, but it, that's all I can really think uh, it makes a difference. However, the components, from, as, as we talked about it, from the operator point of view, that have all of these incredible assets have, have, have come from a geographic model, typically three operators per country. Sometimes you see four. The regulator is per country. License spectrum, you buy it per country. So we're, we're going from a model. I think this comes back to the first thing that you said, which was was always built up with geography as the sort of the moat, the protective moat or, or whatever. It was a geography model to a world where suddenly now with, with seamless um, everything, not, not just seamless um, connectivity, but seamless billing, seamless APIs, uh, seamless capabilities, the data, just uh, network-based infrastructure that, that distributes data across a global data center capability with, with data that can be backhauled, but it can also be processed locally at the edge. And as the data goes to the edge, it becomes a, a, a borderless architecture, um, which is global, digital, and therefore much, much more scalable. And that, as, as you say, I know we're working with multiple parts of TELUS, but TELUS AgTech, uh, I, again, I can't talk about the project, but we're, we're, doing, we're doing work uh, with them around um, uh, animals, let's say, <laughs> on the AgTech side, where we're not just talking about cellular, no, we're, we're talking about um, uh, shortwave uh, type sensors. You, 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 uh, like, to me, this is... Uh... Like it is very critical because you cannot protect a technology. You need to protect the services of the customers you want to serve. So, so, so when you think of it that way, we're 100% with you. So, so, so one thing I didn't mention when we talked about uh, TELUS Ag and TELUS Health, there is a pro for a carrier, if they do it right, to open up the Canadian market to the globe through people coming in, but also at the same time, there's some unique Canadian requirements and Canadian services can go to the world. And how do how are we part of it? Not just because you have your TELUS device and TELUS SEM. That is why the ecosystem, that's why the APIs, that's why the work with you guys, like the more successful SI is, the more successful TELUS is, and the happier and the more enriched my clients are. And that way, if they're happy and they got unique services, they'll never leave. Like at the end of the day, we both need to make money. It, not everything can be churn reduction, but there's a convenience piece that people have. Like I look at today with COVID, I have, uh, we're on Zoom now. I have Teams. I have WebEx. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, Google Meet. Yeah. Uh, I have some bunch of friends at Verizon. So I have, uh, I think, Jeans, Blue yeah. Jeans. They use Blue Jeans. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so, but if you look at it, you know what? I think I'm comfortable paying five bucks a month to one button I click on that talks to all these six. <laughs> yeah. And people have to think of SI that way. Uh, the convenience of not thinking yeah. is so beautiful because I need to go say, oh, well, do I have a roaming agreement in Nigeria? Well, I'm not really sure. Let's go check. It's a process. And you're right. 
I cannot, as Telus, do a, I have to do an operator or I go through Cineverse, for example, which is the legacy version of what SI does. And they're great friends, so I don't misunderstand them. We love them for many other reasons than Tata Communications. But I think it's got to be to the world where I don't actually care. I'm going to trust that the ecosystem is big enough and working, right? So, so I think one of the questions that um, our viewers slash listeners, uh, people do both, uh, would probably ask at this point is, let's play devil's advocate or just ask the question, you know, isn't this what the hyperscalers are going to do? I mean, people say, yeah, but I get that. I get it has to be seamless. I get it has to be frictionless. I guess it, ha I get it, ha I guess it has to be borderless. I want low price and I want choice and I want applications. And they say, isn't this a world that looks a lot like what the hyperscaler, hyperscalers? A hundred percent it does. It doesn't mean the hyperscalers are the best people to deliver because uh, whether we like it at the end of the day, uh, the operator is giving you the two things, be it wired connection and you go wireless inside the house or your mobility connection. And that infrastructure investment has to be leveraged through myself or one of my peers globally. So, so, so there's a role for us to play. The, the fact that they play a role which rides on top and doesn't have any consideration, it's something we should learn from if that's what our clients want versus that's what they provide. Yes, they do. But at the end of the day, you are going to ride on the cellular network. Uh, there's a local piece that they can never give. So for example, uh, I don't know what the local power company is in London, but... Uh, uh, we have a we have a choice, but um, there's uh, actually you know what my mine is EDF, which is everyone thinks is a British company, but it's actually Electricity de France. So my my <laughs> local my local power company is French. <laughs> so, so, so it's it's EDF. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> excuse we are bilingual in Canada, so not too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have thought. No, no. But, but Nick, so, so if you look at your power utility. Uh, and, and they may be big enough, but a lot of these partnerships with the hyperscalers, they actually do not want to be local. This is the wow. beautiful thing about the operator. Like, I'd like to, I have the local touch. If something goes wrong, Google cannot send somebody to your house or Amazon. I can. So, so I think there's a great role for us to play. The fact that they do certain things well does not mean my job is to say, oh, I'm not going to implement. Actually, no, I'm going to replicate. I mean, you, you look at F1, I, I take best practices dovetail them and the question is what is my role and that's the role that i think is very critical yeah. and germane for operators yeah and that is our view our view is that you guys will always be there i mean because of the assets that you have and you've built them up over 40 50 years and those assets are always needed if, if you can take the ease of use of the, the friction the the choice uh the global capabilities and apply them to the assets, particularly if multiple operators can do it at the same time, you arguably create a one plus one equals three situation because you've got the best of both worlds. You learn from the ease of use, speed, the, the choice, uh, everything that, that, that the hyperscalers have got, but you're leveraging the, frankly, trillion dollar plus yeah. assets that's in the ground, that's piped into everybody's house, into everybody's business, that you need the tower infrastructure, the all the expertise. So, it, so it, it's it's really a change management transition that we're seeing in the industry here. And I think eSIM is the trigger 
that's and, and some early adopters such as yourself and uh, some others were coming down the pipe there there this is the trigger for the best of the the, the, the lessons that we've learned uh, uh, and we learned them by the way in cloud they're not new to iot this was this happened in data centers and uh, yes. applications we learned them in cloud now the chance is to take those lessons and apply them to the uh, operator capabilities and then you have the best of both worlds for the customer yeah and then uh, just to close off on this point that's what eSIM is all about you're actually gone away from physical boundaries, which is what cloud or network function yeah. virtualization does in theory. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you, uh, I mean, you need, not that Telus is special, I think we are special, of course, but we have such a closely knit executive team and a bunch of actually people that work and we foster what I call high technical EQ. So Nick, what you're talking about is connect the dots. Make sure your NFV guys talk to your cloud guys, talk to your wholesale guys, talk right. to your SIM guys, talk That's to right. your core guys. And as long as there's smart people talking everywhere, they see exactly what you're seeing. But we need to use every disruption as an opportunity to uh, make customers happier and, and, of course, increase top line and reduce cost. Yeah, I think the NFV analogy is, is a good one. And I just I, I want to switch subjects. My last come question on this, I promise. But as pod, regular podcast listeners will know, I, I was um, 13 years in Cisco and, and when NFV and SDN, so network function virtualization, software defined networking came in, it was like, whoa, this is a threat. You'll need less boxes if you can actually put the create a dynamic, flexible, uh, event driven network capability with a software overlay on top of physical assets. Is that an opportunity or a threat? But actually, if you take a company-wide view, and in terms of what the market opportunity is, it's an incredible opportunity. But if you take a view of, no, my job is to sell more boxes, it's a threat. And 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 so that and the same with NFV, uh, especially NFV to the edge of containers, because the applications are going into containers like Docker and Kubernetes, and they're going to the edge. So the everything is what I mean by network-level orchestration. Everything has to be virtualized and extended to the edge beyond the hyperscale. It isn't just a hyperscale world, any, it's, a, it's a behind the firewall, it's a hyperscale. And now it's gonna be an IoT edge and the IoT edge will in many slash most cases go through the operators. So absolutely the opportunity here is to, is to connect the whole thing. Hyperscalers will do the middle ring if you like, but the edge is a different issue particularly when you look at what's happening. So, so I think there's a tremendous amount we can do. I don't want to do this to dominate the podcast. I do want to move on to another area because like, you and I could probably talk for hours. No, but, but I also, as you're preparing your notes for the second question, I think people also forget that I'm in Italy and I found this cool lamp. Why would the price points is it not easy and capable? I bring it home. It should be freaking touchless. Like it's the Telus should discover it. You come to your mind, you come to your house, you put it, Telus should discover it. Telus should have a launch pad saying, oh, well, you've added another device. Rather than, oh, well, you need to activate, you need a rate plan. You need This is the part that I think when you think of connected, what we need to learn and also actually implement as operators for the subscribers. Sorry, Nick, I interrupted you. No, it's, well, no, it is a bridge. Um, there are certain consumer devices, of course, where I think you could argue they're, they're pretty close to that. There are, there are some devices, uh, I mean, the Kindle is, is is a good one. You know, I take my Kindle, I go on holiday, Italy or the 
beautiful lake there, British Columbia. I know that part of the world. Our daughter went to university at UBC. And, um, it, and you know, it just kind of works. I don't really think about it. I turn it on. It knows who I am. It connects. And and um, I know it uses a, a technology called SMDP Plus in terms of being able to do that. But that is the exception, not the norm. Because if you take IoT, as you said, most devices don't work like that. If you take it from country A to country B, there's like an 80% chance it won't work. And and even if it can see a network, sometimes it's, you know, like you land on an airplane, airport, you've got a network, but you can't get your data. People say, why can't I get my data? It doesn't work like that. So I think that we're heading into that area where devices are much more smart and intelligent. Uh, they are multi, not just cellular, but we are, they'll be, um, I was going to say Sigfox, but but I can't say that now because they've gone um, they've gone now, unfortunately. But you you'll have LoRa, you'll have Bluetooth, you'll you'll have low Earth satellites, and so it'll, few. Uh, and it'll sort of be it'll. All, and today we talk about them in acronyms, but in the future it's just you know the perfect technology is when it uh, when it becomes invisible. Whoever it was that said that first, you know, te- technology has become invisible when you don't think about it. It has become a, a, a mainstream when you don't think about it and it's become invisible. And, and I guess our view is that that's the way it's going to go, is that we're not going to talk about it in silos in the future. It's just going to be a capability. And you can have the choice as, as a user and an, whoever you are in the ecosystem, you can have this choice, which will simplify the industry and reduce the number of players. I think reduce the number of players in terms of friction. Like in terms, terms of, of what you need number of players to... needed to yeah. to put the solution, I, I meant that. Yes, reduce the number of players. I didn't, and I wasn't referring to the operators, but reduce the number of players. No, no, peace, peace. Like, I mean, you can, you can't afford to activate eight things so your lamp works or your fridge yes, works. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this is a lot of we're doing some work. I, I can't give you the project name because it'll give it away, but but it's basically a, an SI is part of it. But it's uh, what we call the business. <laughs> well, no, it's the B to X to C, right? In the end, somebody, there's a consumer. Yes. And we tend to take the value chain and put the uh, B to B, there's a relationship. Then B to B to B is a relationship to C. I think what we want to make is make sure the C can ingest the service. Because you, you want to stop the multiple agreements. Think of the burden, right, to have all these agreements. That's why you join an SI or an aggregator global MNO, right? Uh, so, so you need to reduce that, but it also needs to adapt to what they need locally, right? Like, uh, do I see my power utility or do I need their app? Like, how many apps are you going to have? In the end, you want that aggregated view, right? So if we want to make everybody's life easy, we actually partner with platforms that aggregate the services they need, right. which is our plan. Because it will happen. So, so either we ride the wave or it'll crash into us and every year we'll be bitching yeah. and complaining. Yeah. Oh my God, we lost 10 more percent revenue. What are we going to do about it? Things are getting repriced. If you're not increasing your top line elsewhere, the current services are dying. I mean, you talk about NFV. I remember SD-WAN. We were the first to launch SD-WAN. They said, you're repricing your MPLS business, Brahim. I said, the market will reprice my MPLS business but I better have a solution that is next gen that customer would resonate with. So we were the first in the world to launch managed SD-WAN services, right? So uh, maybe it's our DNA, but that's why the bulk of the work, like Nick, the reason we're here is because we're partnered. That is why we believe 
SI has the technical fortitude and the bridge to look at next gen the way it should be looked at. Um, let, let's, um, I, I was going to go into, I mean, I think, by the way, as a comment, the ultimate success of uh, the, the case studies that we see, uh, two and a half thousand, three thousand now, whatever, that we see, one of the common attributes is the, a disintermediation of of the, of the value chain, in less steps in the value chain, because you, you're actually delivering direct to the sea, the enterprise, be it a coffee machine or a yeah. smart meter or whatever, and you actually, you the, the casualties, so to speak, are the intermediaries who really add cost and complexity to the process. And when you actually go direct to the consumer and you turn a product into an experience, what happens is that you get more loyalty, but you actually need less people in the chain. And that's that was the disintermediation that I'm referring to. But that's another subject for another day. No, no, um, no, but sorry on that point, but that's a critical <laughs> point because I tell you one of the kisses of death is when you hand people next gen way of doing work, they work their job description into that value chain. Yes, yes. So, 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 so in a simple way, because as we said, I'm a technologist, working with, with what, what, the work we're doing with you guys and the reason we're aligned vision-wise is you're creating a hub. So instead of having these serial agreements that are back-ended, you're coming to a common core to agree. Thus, from a consumer point of view, we may have the most complex agreement with a BT or a Vodafone, like they're all partners. But from a customer point of view, they don't see that. It's a one-stop shop. It's that's a one-hop. So I think that's the beauty of what we need to do and enable and have the OTT hyperscalers achieved it. Yes, because they don't care, but they don't activate as much as we do. They don't know where you live. Like the level of trust, we've seen all the woes of Facebook and I, and I wish them well on privacy. Like you, you might hate your telco, but you trust them to death with your credit card, with your location, with and your address, and it is about trust. And it, as you say, if the worst comes to the worst, you can pick the phone up and somebody will answer. And actually, uh, they came; they do come to your house. And it, it, that is important at the end of the day. Let's move it up a bit, just towards get towards the end of the, of the podcast. Um, let's talk about about data, and once we create this seamless aggregation, this, this central hub. One of the things about IoT is that it, it turns a device into an experience and data information and insight about how things are being used is more valuable than the thing itself. So this is a, you know, a, a CapEx into OpEx. It becomes a, the value, it's the disintegration of brands because you, you can actually be a new entrant and, and, and actually create a brand new experience. We've seen that, you know, Netflix, uh, uh, for example, multiple areas. So, so the, the ability to actually create, to be very specific, new managed services from APIs. Uh, the ability to have artificial intelligence and machine learning and create, once you've done this, it seems like it's a prerequisite to do something really exciting, which is a whole new range of services that people have never even thought about before because you have all the data in one place. So uh, first I want to start off by, it's very critical that we maintain at least Canadian and international areas where we operate privacy and trust assessment because it's all about trust. And the challenge with data, for example, I used to drive a BMW. It's not my favorite car anymore, but that's not part of the podcast. There are wonderful people. But it'll be nice if you like, uh, let's say, a certain brand of car. And I know you like them, that the ads that pertain to that car are the ones that you see. Right. So, so, so there's a convenience piece. 
Does it intrude on your privacy? It could be done in an, 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 an anonymized fashion to leverage. So I'm with you that it's the, the data is where one plus one is three. And, and unlike certain companies, they, we don't use them for our benefit. It's for the end benefit of the consumer. So I think there is a massive role for the operators where they don't maintain the data for themselves. They actually maintain it to support that B to B to B to B, so whatever it is. Not, they're not trying to monetize the consumer, essentially. Yes, I'm not um, trying to monetize the consumer. I'm actually no. trying to enable the value chain to be better. So instead of sending commercials on saddles, well, in a place where there's no horses, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but if, if we're able to identify it, then that's probably pretty appealing to have uh, commercials on next-gen saddles or whatever they are. So, so, so you're right about that. I think the trust issue is something we as telcos need to align. So there's lots of work with the GSMA and the United Nations on data trust and ethical AI. But that is the true opportunity is not monetizing the data. And I think that's what's happening with some businesses. Yeah. They said, oh, I have data, it must be valuable. Okay, guys, but I mean, we're, we're throwing all our data. That's what we're talking about partnering on the assets. So I'm throwing everything that relates to Nick in one pool. So Nick is happier. We all benefit versus I'm here to sell Nick's data. So yeah. I think there's a fundamental shift in our approach to data and trust and other companies, are the non-telco competitors. So most telcos adhere yeah. to the principles we have. And I think that's why the sooner we get to a hub place where I don't have to think whether it's Vodafone or Telus or BT or Dr. Telecom or Verizon, the happier we are. But we do need a couple of things. We do need uniform APIs. And then we can talk about which standards body can do it and if we want them in my lifetime uh, or not, <laughs> because some of them are not the most agile. And, but also we need the common data models. So, so how do I model a business? How do I model a farm? You talk about ag. How do I model a physician? How do I model a patient? And I think we need to agree at a high level because there'll be a lot of local stuff. In the UK, you've got healthcare, we've got Medicare in Canada. So I'm pretty sure they have enough nuances to screw up things and add complexity. But at the end of the day, if you've got a fever, it's the friggin' same fever. It's just captured differently. So we do need to agree on data models. We do need to agree on APIs. And we need to decide if we rally around that vision to partner with the hyperscalers and learn from, we need to actually force them into certain things and they will if they want to benefit from the larger ecosystem. Yeah. It's, it's, we're describing a, a, a give and take. It, it's, it is, it always is. It, it's a give, you know, copying the best practices and the learnings, the agility, the speed, the frictionless, and the, but at the same time, you're coming from a basis of trust. You have a brand. People trust you. They've trusted you for years. They continue to trust you. It's like in in healthcare. We, I'll use it. I think the same is true on healthcare. What we we saw an explosion of personalized apps and, and apps on your phone that you'd never heard of, and it's going to communicate with your Apple Watch, and they're going to have your medical information, but you can trust them, and they're going to diagnose. What we're now seeing is wave two, which is which is hospitals and clinics getting their act together, and for instance, giving you medical grade instruments that you take home with you, you know, remote patient monitoring. You go home and they go, they send their data into a, an AI engine, which the clinicians look at. But now you've got the people you trust looking at your personal data, as opposed to a startup that's trying to, you know, uh, do an IPO, looking at your data and giving you, uh, giving you the answer in your iPhone. And I think that given this is a huge, obviously, global debate, 
But the given what's going on in terms of monetizing of data and all of the things that come with that, and uh, uh, which is a worldwide debate, way above our pay grades. But you are you, the industry, is coming from a basis of trust, and I think this idea of collaborating and building on that, whilst at the same time recognizing the weaknesses by saying we have to become more global and we have to uh, be more agnostic to cooperation. Uh, open and willing to cooperation, and take a, a more agnostic approach than a proprietary silo approach, I think is a is a is a, is something that will happen. It's happened in other industries, and it actually turns what some people potentially see as weaknesses, uh, because you know you're the you're the industry that's been around for years and whatever. But actually, what you've built up is incredible assets and incredible trust. And in the world that we're describing, they are, they can't be created like that. I mean, that they are strengths that you bring collectively with you as an industry into this world because they will be needed when we're, when the, we're not just... Nick, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, uh, the key is uh, I want to partner with an ecosystem. I don't want to... Like, I remember the old days. Like I'm a, I remember the days when we had to have an agreement with every telco in every country. And there weren't as many as now. If you remember the good old days, there was like about three, 400 operators globally. Yeah, yeah. But that's 300 friggin' agreements. I can't afford to do that every time I have a new service. So I think that's where we need to agree on. Yeah, how do we, yeah. Exactly. That, that's why uh, SI, among other things, right? Like we need to uh, agree as an industry on on uh, that, that one of the Bs on the chain, what it would look like a model and the C. And if we all agree, then you can have your... I don't know what football team you cheer for being in the UK. Uh, well, I have to. Oh, well, you give me an opportunity to say it has to be Liverpool, bone and bread, a Liverpool fan. Okay, so I'm a Leeds United fan, which is there's two of us in Canada. So I'm pretty excited. I'm 50% of the. But, but the reason I'm mentioning it is like you're able to get that localized piece with the global nature, right? Like, uh, and I think this is critical to the work we need to do. But I need to agree on Nick. On Brahim, there's your Liverpool persona. There's my Leeds persona. There's you're the CEO of SI. I'm the CTO of TELUS. And these need to cohabitate in an area where, oh, yeah, there's a game. Is there a sale on and clothing? By the way, I try to get jerseys for my son who hates soccer football. Uh, nobody's selling Leeds anymore. They're so far down, but maybe well, in I the years. So. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> But but you know what? I, we, we we'll overrun our time. I I just want to put a big thought on because it's something on the table to finish because it's something that we're really interested in doing a podcast on in the future. Uh, and this is my view, not just a lot of people's view as to why what you just said is so important. Okay, and I say to people, look, think about it. We're having this huge debate now about Facebook. Sorry, Meta, uh, Google, <laughs> and the whole thing about. Alphabet. Yeah, the whole thing about yeah, the whole thing about you know you are the product, and and because they want your information, and the algorithms are optimized to get your information and monetize your information. And I say, look, that debate. You think that debate's big now, but what we're really talking about is eight billion cell phones. What you and I are talking about is a hundred billion things. Exactly. And so, what happens when your your interaction with a machine gets monetized? Uh, your interaction, not your browsing history, that's just a, a small slice. The incident of the time, yes. But what's your, your interaction with a coffee machine, your interaction with your light switch, your, your interaction with everything that you touch 
is then digital marketing will apply to that. And so there will be there will be an enormous opportunity slash threat to monetize every single thing you do every second of the day, whether you use a phone or not. And this, I think, is one of the reasons why we need this trust model and, and people to get together, because you, we ain't seen nothing yet in terms of what could be possible for, for monetizing people's behavior. And that's a big it's, subject, but a real it's a podcast, and I'm glad it's a podcast because you and I would suck debating since we're 100% aligned. So they're getting two different flavors of the same view. And I think the sooner we get together with the partner, with the right partners, operators, and integrators, and agree on what a data model looks like, because you cannot easily, then you, if you don't agree on a data model, Nick, just one last dig on this one, because I'm religious about it. We'll end up having 600 data models that need to work with each other. So talk about the complexity. Yeah. We should not bring our 100-year-old history of monetizing minutes and bytes to the new world of data. That's what we need to learn from the hyperscalers. Great. I am going to, unfortunately, I would love to keep this going, but I think our, our users will probably wouldn't. And they'd probably say, look, can you guys have a round two? But um, I'm going to leave it there, Brahim. I thought it was great. We touched on so many subjects and we only skimmed them. But I really want to thank you and uh, thank uh, thank the listeners. Um, this has uh, been a great episode. Uh, you've been listening to, as you know, the IoT Leaders Podcast with Brahim, who is the CTO of TELUS and, and an absolute visionary and a pleasure to talk to. As always, if you have any feedback or suggestions, you can uh, contact me um, either on LinkedIn, uh, Nick Earl, E-A-R-L-E, or uh, we have an email, iotleaders at S-I-E-S-E-Y-E.com. Uh, but let's leave it there. And uh, Brahim, thank you so much uh, for sharing thank your you. thoughts and that beautiful view of the uh, lake behind your head and the story indeed, uh, which was really nice. Nice little bonus at the beginning of the podcast. Thanks very much. And thank you uh, uh, to all of our listeners. And uh, I'll see you and talk to you on the next IoT Leaders podcast. Stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at SI.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.